Talk about life. Hello, hello. Welcome to Creatively Relating. I'm Viana Novis. I'm so grateful you're here. Today's episode is the last episode of season one. Wow. Can't believe it. I will be back later this summer with season two, and I am so excited for what's ahead. Some phenomenal guests lined up for the next season of the show, and I have some ideas percolating about how to get you more involved in the episodes. Do some community Q&As, and also uh, have some opportunities for you to share your experience on the show. So stay tuned for those ideas that will sprout up later this summer. In the meantime, make sure you are subscribed to the show so that you get updates when I come back later this summer. Today's episode is one that I am still savoring Weeks after it's been recorded, I'm still feeling nourished by this conversation that I got to have with Mary Beth Bonfilio, who is deeply inspiring to me. And yeah, I I am just so moved at the opportunity to get to know Mary Beth. This was our first conversation, and I love getting to have that happen in public. That's fun for me. Um, And it it happened after uh, I had been following Mary Beth for a while on Instagram, and then was connected to her through Nadia, who is a previous guest on the show, um, I believe episode 10, where we talk about creativity. So Mary Beth is a writer. Uh, a writing instructor, a midwife, uh, a folk worker, an ancestral keeper, uh, tending to the fire of wisdom and grief. Some of these words I'm, I'm grabbing from inside myself and some are from Mary Beth. Um, I, My experience of witnessing Mary Beth's work is that it feels deeply embodied and grounding. It feels nourishing, slow, tender, sensual. It feels quantum, like it reaches into time and rips it wide open. And I feel alive, my cells vibrate, they dance, reading Mary Beth's words. It's such a gift to have her on the show and to be, uh, to have this episode be the seed of a beautiful relationship ahead. So I hope you enjoy this one as much as I have. It, it was such a joy to have this conversation. If you do enjoy the show, we would love to hear from you. 
please feel free to call in and share your thoughts, share your feelings, your ideas, what comes up for you as you listen to this episode. You can call in anytime at one 2 relate one 273 or you can leave uh, a review on the purple iTunes podcast app. You can write a message into creativelyrelating at gmail.com or you can head over to either of our Instagram accounts. You can follow me at viana.novis. You will hear Mary Beth's Instagram plugs at the end, but I'm going to pull it up right now because you know I just fly off my seat here. I don't have notes written for these intros. <laughs> so let me just grab her Instagram handle for you. I think it's just her name. It is. I just want to make sure there were no underscores. Mary Beth Bonfilio, M-A-R-Y-B-E-T-H-B-O-N-F-I-G-L-I-O on Instagram. Let us know what you think of this episode. We would love to hear it. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so for free by subscribing, by leaving a review, by sharing with a friend. That is still the best way to support the show. If an episode has moved you in any kind of way, take a minute, text it to your friend, tell them why you think they would enjoy it. That makes such a huge difference. Uh, and if you want to support the show financially, you can do so on patreon.com slash Creativity exercises, writing prompts, and lots of inspiration all unfold in that space. And an entry point is $3 a month. And you get to choose what you have to offer, how you want to support the show, whatever you have to give, you'll get access to all that I have to give. So come support the show in whatever way suits you best at this moment. Any kind of support is so deeply appreciated. I am so grateful that you're here. Honestly, as somebody who lives with a chronic illness, who spends half their life in bed, it's so impactful for me because getting to read your reviews, getting to see your messages on Patreon, getting to hear your voicemails, it feels like connecting with people and that's something that chronic illness really has shifted in my life. Um, and it's something I really yearned for. So this is a way that I feel like I get to connect with this beautiful community around me that is all across the world, which is amazing. Uh, but it, it just really brightens my day to get to hear from you. And uh, if you enjoy the show, I really would love to hear from you because it, it does make a difference for me um, in the way that I hope the show is supporting you and supporting the change that you want to go after in your life. All right. Enjoy this magical episode with Mary Beth. <music> Mary Beth, 
Thank you so much for being here. Hi. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited about this. I've really been uh, about so, so many topics. So I'm really looking mm -hmm. forward to seeing what we get into in this conversation. Yeah, me too. Me too. So let's start with uh, a little bit about you, name, pronouns, anything you want to share. Yeah. Okay, I'm Mary Beth Ponfilio. Um, I go by she and her. Um, I am a mother. I'm a writer, writer, artist, and um, a container holder for, I call it sort of ancestral recovery, <laughs> reclaiming, remembering work. Um, a lot of my writing is, is diving into um, those worlds and, and just sort of being with people who uh, are grappling or in grief or looking for the partnership between the grief and the pleasure of where we are in, in the world today and how uh, we've lost um, the remembering that we we are connected to ancient ways of being that may be helpful for us now. Hmm. This is exactly why I'm so excited to talk with you. And you know, wait, I just need to pause for a moment because I realized I forgot to hit record. Are you open to recording um, the video? Yeah. You don't have to. Okay. Totally. I just forgot that. I brushed my hair this morning. <laughs> Perfect. This is, <laughs> I know they're beautiful and I love this knit sweater you have too. Yeah, a friend of mine made Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. I mean this, like I, all of the interviews I have, I get so excited about talking with the people. I forget to hit record. This has just been a common thing. Yeah. <laughs> I've yeah. Done. I, 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 I get it. It will happen when it happens and yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, the the piece that you're talking about here with grief in the remembering is so uh, hearing you talk about your work it's landing even deeper of this yearning i've had to connect with you cuz i've just like i don't even know much of your world really like i've read a few pieces of your writing but it's more just i saw you and i was just like this person i don't know who this person is but i i feel you and I want to connect with you, like just feeling the resonance and hearing you talk more about the inner mechanism, what's at the root of what you're doing. It's lands so deep. I would love to hear, uh, I mean, I know we share some Sicilian ancestry. I'm curious like what the threads of your lineage are, if you know. I know some, um, so, I was born into a, a pretty intact immigrant community in Jamestown, New York, which we figured out we're both Western upstate folks. I just can't <laughs> believe that. <laughs> that makes sense of the Sicilian in that, that whole area, I think. Totally. Um, and I was very culturally immersed with my father's was a Sicilian. His, both of his parents were born in Sicily. Both of my grandparents, my nanny, were born in Sicily and came here. Um, and my mother's um, family, her father was born in Italy, but in Northern Italy, He's, was, he was Piemontese. He was the only grandparent I knew because my parents had me much later in life. 
So all my grandparents were really immigrants in the turn of the century, the late, the early 1900s immigration movement. My parents are in their 90s right now. Wow. Um, yeah, they had me like in the 70s when people weren't really having babies in their 40s, you know, um, and they have me, I was a number seven. So they had a very traditional Italian American type of yep. family environment. Um and my mother's mother is from Poland. So I have Slavic, I have this uh, Southern Italian and Mediterranean, and I have a, a, this Alpine grandpa, my papa from Northern Italy, who was the one I knew who had a really deep medicine to share with me. And we, he, he took me into the dirt. So that was where a lot of my like really bodied land practices came from him. Um, that the Sicilian culture is so big, it's so big and it's so, um, it's just a very, uh, powerful, um, energy. <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it that, and, and that was really where the intact, um, cultural community stayed for a really long time. So that was really what I was brought up into and with. Um, so that is, you know, I'm second generation um, with elder parents. So it's, is that I'm 47 and it's a little unique in that sense because most people my age are great grandparents were from, from wherever in so-called Europe, European lands. And um, yeah, so I have this, deep connection and also I watched assimilation happen out of my eyes. I watched communities break apart. I watched nuclear families start to become more prominent, like 10-ish, 11-ish, you know, in the 80s, the fucking 80s, you know, whatever happened in the 80s. And that really, I watched it happen. Wow. That is and I and I lost people. I lost elders. They all started dying because I was you know, they were so old when I, by the time I was born. Wow. Wow. I mean, it, it makes sense why grief would be so present in your work hearing that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I got tastes of it. It's so amazing that that's also that kind of like direct connection is the thing I, I have yearned for throughout my life, really like my, my, so all of my family on, as all of the information I have is that all in all directions, I'm from Sicily. Mm -hmm. And to, this is very interesting. My, I'm, my great grandparents came on all sides. Some of them came over, they, they met in Sicily and came over. Some of them met here in the States, um, but all Sicilian. And my father and my mother, of course, they, you know, they grew up here. They were second generation and they met and there, this is just so fascinating to me. My father's mother and my mother's father, both of their lines come from the same little commune in the center of Sicily that mirrors Serra de Falco. It's like, it's like almost dead center and it's very small. Okay. I kind of imagine it's a place where like, if you don't know it, you, why would you know it? <laughs> you know, like if you don't have a connection to it, it seems just like this mm -hmm. tiny little space, but it mirrors the little town that I live in now. Like the, 
it's very fascinating. Like the the plants that grow here and the look of it, like we're kind of surrounded by mountains. We are surrounded by mountains here and mm-hmm. the photos that I've seen of that community, I haven't been there. It looks very similar, like surrounded by hills and um, in kind of this little valley. I mean, Serra de Falco, it's like mountain of the hawk, mountain of the hawk. Yeah. And so like, you know, that, there's like a plant connection to like the seal of the town has an oak tree and that's really a prominent plant here in Ojai where I live. And there's just a lot of mirroring with that's wild. Yeah. So I feel like I have this kind of like portal to the Island with where I'm living. It's very interesting. Um, but nobody in my family really like we had, we had a few traditions. I can remember my grandfather being really strict with me that like, we are Sicilian, we are not Italian. But that transmission never came with more information, you know, and he died when I was nine. So I never like understood what that meant until I got older and started doing my own research and was like, oh, oh, damn. Wow. Like peeling. It's It's a totally different culture. Totally different culture. And just holding what our little island has been through like 3000 years of colonization yeah there is when i yearn for culture i keep coming up against these walls where like everything that i can reach for is not the thing that my cells are echoing it's just like older, 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 go back further, further, further. And and my sense is that the thing that I can feel vibrating in me, I'm not gonna get in through like human to human transmission. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be like through volcano to human and through like plant to human and through sea to human. And that's the transmission. Because an ochre, I mean, this is why, you know, we were talking a little bit before we started about the earth pigments, but there's this kind of whole connection with um, this yearning I've had in me to to give birth to a new bloodline when I gave birth. And by that, I was speaking into not passing forward the patterns of trauma that I've inherited, a violent trauma. and And I can see the ripples of colonization in that, no doubt, like- you know, it just, it feels ancient, like what gets passed forward in our DNA. And um, it was shortly after my child was born that I started to hear like the minerals calling to me. They were like, work with us, work with us, work with us. And so I started working with ochre and I had almost died after I gave birth. So I like gave birth a week later, I almost died. And then a few months later, I, I'm like feeling this call from the minerals. And so I just like, it started with just kind of following people. And then I started getting my hands on some minerals and making paint. And then um, I, I, I went and took a workshop, like a, an immersive workshop out foraging and learning how to like collect. And I was like, oh my God, like one, I've been doing this my whole life. <laughs> it was just like a, you know, like, I used to like collect rocks and name them and like w- like m- rocks for me were like people when I was growing up. Like they were my people. And so I was like, oh, this is, I've been doing this my whole life. And then I found out that some of my ancestors in Sicily were miners 
they mined sulfur. Oh, yeah. And so there's like this ancestral connection there and also like all the culture that surrounds that and how unsafe it was and all the like trauma, the sexual trauma and the like, you know, just there's so much in that. And then getting further and further in and realizing like we have 20,000 year old cave paintings on the island and then we have 3,000 years of colonization. So like to think of how long we existed on the island before colonization and we don't know, we, we have no information. Like the land remembers, but we don't as humans. And I can just feel the island like singing me back to that knowledge. And sometimes I, I haven't been to the island yet. Like I feel like I've just been preparing my whole life to be ready. And I feel like I'm getting close, but I still feel like there's so much synthesizing that I can I can still feel my bones being like, not yet, honey, you're gonna blow your circuit if you go right now. You gotta <laughs> so. Just like keep, keep, you're doing good work, but like you're not ready yet. But I think about the volcano, I think about the soil and I, I can be moved to tears just imagining putting my hands in the soil. And it's just like, it's so deep, it's so old. And, oh, I just, I crave it. Those are our ancestors. Those are the ancient ancestors who basically have become that, that soil. Yeah. Oh. I mean, that's, that's a lot of people that have died and were buried and it become that soil. So like the soil to me is like, I wrote a piece once about, you know, the first time I went to Sicily, I was looking for information because there was a lot of mystery. There's a mystery, death, music. There's romantic stories and tragic stories that we don't have. They're just been told verbally through the family and we didn't have names and a lot was lost obviously when there was immigration of just of facts and names and all kinds of things so i went there and i was very much um i was going to find information and yeah right i was going to find information when i hiked seven hours up a mountain <laughs> and sat on the top of the mountain and just and just felt into the soil and all of a sudden it was like, oh, this was my grandmother. This is what they were asking me to find. I don't need the names. I don't need these stories. I don't need even any of this. It was this, yeah, it was this moment where I then I like let go of trying to find papered information or anything like that and just became obsessed with the dirt there and laying in it and being in it and the flowers that were growing there and it's the island that sings us there it is the actual well in the island is a volcano the mm -hmm. whole island is the volcano mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's and i was reading that and you, you might know this already was but i was thinking about it when we were talking about the red clay and the volcanic clay that you know that come like the volcano erupts all over and makes all these layers of this clay this red clay that is of the earth too so it's like it's this i know i'm doing with my hands so i'm left around video but it's this circulation of metamorphosis between you know the death in the soil and then coming through is this fire and this molten lava that covers and becomes more clay and it's like oh it's living it's all land is living but like we go there and you're like oh thank you and it you have this understanding that this was the mother of all your people and for a long time they knew they knew that and lived that 
yeah. for a really long time. And, it, and remnants are still there. That's the beautiful thing about being there because you will find people that really have never thought differently. And the way they speak even now, a lot of people, the way they speak of the island and the way they speak of it as is a person is a really different experience than like coming here and and <laughs> for the most part with racialized white people um don't don't understand that you know and going there and and um like learning even from just modern just you know they're hardly modern you know in the sense that we think of because they're making cheese over an open fire outside still so you know there is that there are those pieces but you can feel in them that it hasn't been fully lost though it has affected them you know colonization has affected them deeply yeah. the deeply deep grief and sadness you could see there as well but that's also part of the pleasure the actions of pleasure with the land that they still partake in um yeah oh my gosh i'm I, like my entire body is lit up right now my yeah. like my cells down to my toes are just like yeah. oh wow i and that i mean the the image of like making cheese over the fire too i'm i'm thinking of like what traditions i did have access to in my family which was so food focused and to think of like all that was lost to time and all that was lost to assimilation and to see that like what is resilient in that is the way that we care for people through food. And though like, I, like my lens growing up on food was very much through like poverty and, um, and just like whatever we had access to. So like a lot of traditional mm -hmm. recipes like fell away because we just couldn't, we didn't have access to the ingredients. And I'm trying to like reclaim a lot of that stuff now, but um, seeing what did make it through was this culture of like, we we gather and we eat and we feed people and we care for people with food. And to think of like the impact of colonization on our on our bodies, on our spirit, on our like the trauma that gets passed forward just like generation after generation, like thinking of how many generations are encapsulated in 3000 years that there's like, I I mean, I've been grieving lately in this last cycle of, of my life, like in the last six months or so. And I feel these ancient ancestors like finally moving through me like crying so hard i vomit and i'm like i didn't even know that. like it's like this like from the depths and it's just like you're finally moving this out all this grief coming through and then to look back at like and look our pleasure is still alive like i see it like even in my grandmother and my grandfather like they were so poor but like my grandfather went out fishing still. He made us all fishing poles to like when I was a little kid. And, and I just think of like, yeah, cause like you are from an island. <laughs> like, of yeah. course that's your way. Like you fish that's what you're gonna do. and just yeah. like the resilience of that, like this is what, you know, this is how we care for each other. And this is what we're going to do to, to connect 
even through all this grief, like the food is the food and the the plants. Oh, the food and the plants. And it really was the one thing that was able to be normalized too in a Southern Italian culture. And and there was a lot of discrimination and the, but the food became very like an okay thing that other people were able to receive and accept Mm -hmm. from that community. And so that became a very, a, a piece of pride for them. Wow. that people liked Italian food. And, and it was all Southern Italian based because most of the immigrants were from the South. Um, I remember growing up wow. talking about the resiliency. So in in Sicily, and I didn't know this until I went, <clears throat> that, and it grows, when you were talking about Ojai, and I, I spent time in Ojai and I lived in Southern California for a while in my life. And that was the one place that felt really resonant as home to me too. And I didn't know Ooh. why. Yeah, I didn't know why until I went to Sicily. I was like, oh, it's it feels like really like that whole area, like the central coast and inland and Ojai. And um, (laughs) I was like, oh, this is why I felt like so at home here. And so Cardoon, Carduni, I don't know. (laughs) I've seen it. Yeah. Growing there in uh, in that area in California, but it's very grows really um wild all over the island of sicily and so it's a a relative of artichoke it's just a wild plant and it's a huge part of the diet in sicily so when i was growing up there was something we made called carduni Mm -hmm. and um and we would find it on our doorstep in the season that was harvested you know a whole bunch of old 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 italian men would go to the secret spots in jamestown new york in which I will explain because Cardoon does not grow in Jamestown because of the climate. I'm and like, they what? Have, they, they'd leave it on the doorstep in a big plastic bag. And then my mom and dad would clean it all. And they would make this amazing fried, oh, it's like fried and then like egg and like turned it into a frittata. It was amazing. But what they did was they found the closest plant. It was basically burdock. They were doing burdock stalks. So they they were through the resiliency. We're like, well, we're gonna find something like that that will work. That'll work. So we weren't really eating cardoon. We were eating burdock stock. Oh my god! And I didn't even. I was trying to figure this out because I was like, how are we eating cardoon? Like, so then I found the plant because some there's I saw family and friends there. They're like, they grow it now because cardoon is still delicious. You want to eat it? And I saw it. I was like, that's burdock. Oh my gosh! And so then I recognized that. They just went out and they were like going to find what worked, what was like the old country. And they replicated it. Cause then when I went to Sicily, they were making the cardoon, the actual cardoon plant the same way as my family made it, which is delicious. Wow. Okay. Wait, I just need to show you what is like one of my most recent photos on my phone right now. This is like, this is like my third photo in. Oh, yes. <laughs> there it is. Are you kidding? Yeah. There it is. There it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so it's I was everywhere. like, I was just, I don't even remember why I was looking it up, but I was just looking them up the other day. I, like yesterday, I was just thinking about them and I just looked them up. I just like this kind of yearning for the soil. Like sometimes I just go and I look up images of the plants mm-hmm. on the island and just like have them on my phone just to see them. That's it. And so there it is. Right there. And I, I was looking at like the essence or like the sort of medicine, like if you want to take like a flower essence view of it and it's um, forgiveness. 
<sighs> so I made an essence once because I grow it. I, I'm in I'm in Portland area and it will grow here pretty well. So I've gotten seeds actually from Sicily and I planted oh them. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. And um and there's actually like a seed company, Uprising Seeds, that's based out of Bellingham, Washington, that went and they're really kind of important seed savers in this world here. And they went there and they actually also sell cardoon seeds from um, from oh Italy. So you could get them and, and plant them to cultivate on your own. Um, so I, but I planted them and I allowed them to, of the flower to bloom and I made an essence out of it. And I was like, oh, the forgiveness, like forgiving, forgiving, um, forgiving the recent ancestors for, you know, perpetuating traumas and forgiving them in my own body and also forgiving the harm in some ways that caused them to perpetuate the trauma. I feel like it's a really important plant around that. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting because the shape of it even feels like it kind of embodies the journey of um, like the armor of like mm -hmm. that feeling of like the pain and, and how like prickly it is and how hard. Mm -hmm. And then that process of reaching towards the like softening and the blooming and the like the opening, like the it, opening it feels it. like it really, the so color. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so, it, it's like an alien. It. it is like, oh. yeah, it's so, <laughs> the bees just like, oh, and they're so happy. Um, oh. And the process to actually prepare it to eat is very, very laborious. I mean, it is not easy. You, you really need, there's cleaning and peeling and brining. I mean, it took, my mother hated doing it. Even with the burdock, it was the same way. It was like, oh, you know, and in Sicily with my friends, uh, Nona was doing it. She's like, it's a process. They're in the garage and they're like cleaning. It takes hours and hours. That's the other thing too. It's like with the food, it was a ritual. Food making there is a ritual. The cheese over the fire, the cleaning of these plants. It's not like you just open a package and throw it in. It's like there's days mm -hmm. sometimes that take place to make your tomato sauce. It's days we get together with people outside and make the tomato sauce or these days and like that, that um, trying to bring that back to into my life, like how to honor these foods, how to honor the ancestors, how to honor the land that has worked so hard to, to keep making these foods and then feeding my ancestors through because mine were, you know, my, my grandparents and they, they, we're, we, we didn't have money. I mean, we grew up poor. It was poverty. And knowing that they were hungry, they were actually hungry. And now I really have so much access to so much food and doing these sort of ritualized creative kitchen making ceremonies and then feeding myself to feed them. Like I'm feeding them. I'm hungry. They're, they're so hungry through me. And I'm like, eat, eat. you know, I just I'll put the food on my altar, but I also like my body is my altar is my body is every person who's been before me yeah oh my it's gosh like, i am yeah. with you i think yeah it might have been like the first episode of this podcast i spoke about that exactly of this big it's so big and and how for me the the resonance of gratitude is also part of that feeding of the ancestors that it's like to know, like, even for my mother, you know, she spent most of her life hungry. Like, even as when I was a child, 
you know, like forgoing meals so that my brother and I could eat as a single mother. And so like, that was her story up through my childhood, you know, that, that isn't, um, that isn't even ancient for me. That's like in my lifetime, hunger is, is, uh, a thread. And so yeah. that, you know, I open my fridge and it, it, there is not a single moment when I'm presented with food where I'm not thinking about the incredible privilege it is to have this bite, yeah. to to have the opportunity to eat and to feel full. To feel full. To feel full and to and to know that there is more. Like the and and I feel also just like I can feel the mechanism in my body that's like will kind of have the desire to hoard food. And then like, we're okay. Like we're we're okay. That's not our story anymore. Like I can just feel them in there being like, but but you know, stock the pantry and you know, it's like, hey, hey, we're we're good. We're okay. We have enough. And and you can eat and like I'm so grateful for this food and I it's like through my joy I feel their liberation that they're that it's it's not just like the act of eating but the joy of eating yeah and it's like all of this the connection to the the like the story of resilience through our connection to food and I think about how like oh I'm. There's so much synthesizing in my brain right yeah. now, but what you had said about like our ancestors are the soil and thinking of the food that grows from our ancestors' bones and how that becomes the ritual that we bring to life to connect to each other today in the here and now. Like we take the the essence of our ancestors, grow our nourishment sit in ritual together, which is really like the joy of cooking food and the process of like the relationship. Like I'm just thinking of the like, the cleaning, the the peeling, the like the time I'm seeing, you know, the big bowls and like hands in raw dough and yeah. you know, just the, the, the time and labor and love. And I, you know, grew up with a little bit of that, like all my my aunts coming over and and cooking cookies during the holidays and just having these mat like massive you know where where it's like one batch the recipe makes something like three dozen cookies and then we would do like a six times batch of that you know and you're like because everybody gets cookies you know? yeah. and that like that then nourishes all the layers like all those ancestors are still alive they're in us, they're like in the food, they're in our bodies, they're in our cells. And the conversation is so rich to just say like, there is no scarcity here. There's no scarcity. There is so much abundance and prosperity and like your life was different and and like thank you for all the choices you made because like even though I don't agree with many of them, here I am. Here I am. Right we now. are this. I said we're the spell of them. They spelled us here, and and then what are we going to do with this? You know, what, what are how are we going to hold that? And I just what you just said was so beautiful. Just my whole body just felt like like my ancestors are thinking yours inside your body for speaking to that. They're like, thank you for connecting and seeing and just seeing seeing what has been unseen 
yeah un, 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 unacknowledged yes yeah like the i've been really balancing so much lately this idea of like ancestral liberation work what that means and recognizing that like you know there are going to be decisions that i make where i'm like i'm not going to i'm not going to process this one for you i'm going to give this back to you this one is for you i'm not going to hold this one and um the power in that and i imagine too like the just the power of the conversation to say i see you and you have everything you need to liberate yourself i don't need to yeah. liberate you i see you and that is the liberation like i see you in all of your power and all of your your purpose and all of the like and everything it took for you to exist and and carry forward for me to be here living the life that i am with the opportunities yeah. i have and the choices i can make to to do something different yeah that's a really important piece to be able to have those um ancestral boundaries or whatever they're called to say oh and and no i i don't i'm not carrying this mm -hmm. i'm not carrying this i'm not doing this i'm doing this over here and I love you, but yeah, I'm you're going to find your way through this as well. And that's really, really important because I think that's when we start to, that's when we start to, they, we let them in some ways possess, mm -hmm. you know, us and, and, and that's intense work, you know, it's intense work to sparse that out and to understand. And, and I think it's a really, um, I think it's kind of like really important for lack of better words, just to just begin doing that. If, if somebody hasn't to just start to think about it, you know, what is our work action wise, you know, in, in the process of like how you used ancestral liberation and what is um, our work to say, no, I'm done here with this and I love you anyway, but I'm done yeah you can't you can't have you can't have me mm-hmm yes you can't have me yeah. and i see you and yeah, i, I acknowledge you, you and i love you yeah. like I this that that's yeah that's yeah it. i see you yeah like that like what you were saying there like the acknowledgement in that is just like mm -hmm. the yeah i'm coming to the realization that like that is enough to see what hasn't been seen and to to see it and to continue orienting towards pleasure towards presence towards personal responsibility mm -hmm. that is what i'm feeling into that is the answer to this echo that i hear that's like kind of you know what has felt like through so much of my life like a dog on my heels <laughs> you know like trying to like wow. get me somewhere and like move me in a direction and i'm like I, I i'm trying and clearly not getting the message like i you know you should see my library of books on sicily and like i'm like i'm gathering all the information and, yeah. and then it's realizing now like you said like it's yeah. it's in the soil yeah. it's in the acknowledgement it's in the seeing what has been unseen and and recognizing i think for me what has been such a big uh moment of relief is 
realizing that the validation I was searching for for so much of my life on like, this is my cultural inheritance. Mm -hmm. Nobody can give that to me in the same way that nobody can identify who I am. You know, that's like, like I'm non-binary. However I look on any given day, like if I look super femme, I am still non-binary. Nobody gets to like decide for me how queer I am or like I'm enough of this or that. It's like, being Sicilian, like I am Sicilian, I am from that land. I feel that land in my bones. I don't speak the language. I don't know a lot of our recipes. I don't know a lot of our cultural traditions, our our magic traditions, like our our herbal practices. Like I've lost a lot of that, and still, like my bones come from that soil. And yeah. it, like the the acknowledgement of that even is so liberating to just feel like there's so it's so liberating. It's like that one thing that's so true is that like I come from I do come from soil. I do come, and that's a big thing, you know, like as we sit and, and like grapple and, and and be in the grief of being on unceded territories of of people and it's it's like you're in this place of um it's got like this in-between world where you 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 want to belong and we understand like this wanting to belong has caused a lot of, of harm and expansion and, and you know and 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 then being able to like get back to that place of whether you've gone there or not it doesn't matter to like understand that that soil are is still our ancestors singing for us to remember mm. and that nobody can take that away we can't take that away from ourselves the um, assimilation or the disconnect of the, the whatever happened here or even in, in the last <laughs> 2000 years there, nobody can take that. That can't be taken. Mm-hmm. That's because it's, it's what we're made of. It's what our cells are made of. Yeah. <sighs> it's what our cells are made of. So it's that resonance of, of that understanding. And then like, that's what the magic is. That's all you need. And when you go there, it's so interesting. When you will go there, you'll find out too. You're so, once people hear that you are, you know, Sicilian, Sicilian American and, and they're like, they kind of released the American in you. Like it was, it took a very short time. And, you know, not that we can, we can't erase that, but like, it took a very short time for people to just pull me in and want to share everything. And we're so excited. A lot of the elders, interestingly enough, because a lot of their grandkids are leaving. They're going to Milan or Turin or they're, they're leaving. They're leaving. The island is, is elders, is old. It's old. And so I'm there and I'm like, Hi, <laughs> hi, and they're like, "Oh, you, you wanna, you wanna listen, you wanna listen to me? You want to share? Can I share? The, and you're interested?" And and then there's this awakening too that there's this real healing done. There's a real healing done because they lost, they lost out, they lost a lot of people to this quote unquote dream immigration dream they lost a lot so there is an emptiness in them and it affected them in all ways i mean economically it affected them in a lot of ways especially sicily because they were always sort of abandoned by you know this mainland um italy and you go there and you're interested and they're like you can see the healing you can see there's like this this like weaving that has kind of takes place i, I watched 
grown, you know, 50 year old men, farmers tear up when I explained, you know, why I was really there in my heart and in my gut. And just like the emotion in them as well, the grief, the joy, the gratitude, the, well, okay, let me, let me teach, let me show you how I make this you know, saw, let me show you this, or let me show you how we crack the almonds and let, let me show you this. And in the language barrier, sometimes I'm, I'm like, there's a language barrier there for sure, but it didn't need, it didn't need to be exact or accurate. I could, I could sense in my body what was happening. And there was, um, there was a, uh, something that was fissured was becoming woven back together, like the, or the mycelium were like, oh, we're all here still connected. You know, and oh, we're able to like kind of repair a tiny bit of something. And it's not the answer to everything, but that felt really, um, it felt really important to me. It felt really healing in my body. There was something that happened in like, in this lower part of my body that went, I went, I went down, I, you know, living from up here, there was a, a version of myself that went so much lower and so much deeper into my body. And I felt, um, it felt like it was a symbiotic moment. Like I felt like these were symbiotic moments. It wasn't just like me trying to get information and it wasn't like that. It was like, we've just come together right now and brought something that has been lost, not found it. We didn't find it because it was lost, but we kind of we wove a new, um, you know, a new textile, a new fabric together. And it was just, you know, these simple interactions that you could feel it happening in. Kind of the changed me forever, changed, changed me forever and will always um, be some of the most important moments of my life, I think. Wow. Yeah. I just, there's... I I am lost for words right now. I just like I can feel my heart right now feels like both tight and soft. Like the layers of it. It's just like there's so much here. And like the yearning and the softening of of like oh, it exists. Mm-hmm. The 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 this yearning will have its uh it's possible to have uh, that mending. Like the, I love that you brought the mycelium in because that's been another like ochre and mycelium and the night sky. It's like these pieces for me are how I like operate in deep time and kind of like triangulate the ancestral knowing and and kind of like create the grid for my cells to be awakened in. Uh, That's and, stunning. That's so stunning. And like the the fact that you brought that in and just like, I I have so much curiosity too about what the relationship to mycelium is like on the island, and like what our what our plant medicine histories are, you know? Because like mycelium, I mean, I mycelium in like non psychedelic ways is is so so a part of my life like I just like meditate with the mycelium under my house every day (laughs) you know I'm just like hello thank you like how can I take care of you I love you (laughs) and then like I also work with uh, psychedelic mycelium quite often 
uh, like microdosing and also doing like mm-hmm. bigger ceremonial, like solo ceremonial doses. But I've been mm-hmm. so curious about what that connection is like. I'm just seeing, I'm thinking of the like rich soil on the island and thinking of like, what's our, like, I can't find any of that on- online. <laughs> it's not there. <clears throat> Not, not to my eyes anyway. I have not found it. Maybe I haven't been looking with the right words, but. Well, I don't, it's, you're not, but there are, there are images, imagery, those, those cave drawings, the art carved into places and you'll see uh, depictions of, um, like uh, Persephone and, and Demeter, who you know are this phonic and phonic and sky-facing, non non-dual version of the other, right? We'll go into the ancientness of that. That's a whole other long conversation. But so the, they represent the underground, the underground, the underworld of the soil, and then they represent the uh, sky-facing of the soil, of mm-hmm. you know, earth of the sky earth that faces the sky and earth that faces the center of the earth. Mm. Anyway, so they're very important. There's, there's shrines and temples to um, these deities and you'll see on some of them, a lot of chat, like, like vessel with mushroom. So they've been, that is definitely, um, you know, plant medicine, mushroom medicine, psychedelic is part of, the ancient devotions to these layered earth deities, soil deities. And so I don't know those stories because I don't think that they're told, but when you look in imagery, you know that that was definitely a practice. Mm -hmm. And in my own like macro and micro, like meditating on that too, like really meditating on um, in psychedelics, like those ancestral that, you know, ways of being like, it's come to me that this is what we did to Same. connect and with, with, um, the divinity within us and the land that was always my dream of how could I, how can we get some mushrooms over it? Like, how can we do this in Sicily? Like I'm always a little bit, you know, like that would be, <laughs> I feel like I can say that here. I'm like, yes, you sure that can would be some really beautiful healing stuff um can we just plant the seed like right let's let's, plant it i'm i'm with you i would like to be a part of that and see that come to fruition like i'm just picturing like being at the base of the volcano and like getting to commune with her in that way in that like i am with you i am in you i am of you i there is no separation between i feel that already and also just to get to be in that resonance would be just to being able to nibble on that like some from there even that are growing there we'll figure that out that seed is planted and to be able to do um, seed planted connective ceremony i have plants i I wanted to sort of like just address it just for a second because this is one of the things they find interesting is that there's no um like here we've sort of created like plant medicine people or herbalists or people who are understand this is medicine. And then, you know, they're, they're kind of titled and we know who to go to. And what I found there in, in again, really being like looking for it, seeking it. Certainly there were more people that knew more about what was growing, but there aren't like herbalists 
or anything like that because the medicinal plants were incorporated into life there mm. and kind of still are. So like the wild bitter greens that are growing or the flowers that are growing, people still gather those outside everywhere and, and cook and make food with them. And so when I was trying to find like, who's the plant, you know, there are specific healers that will use like one specific plant and that's it to heal with. Yeah. So their healing is moving through them. And, and this plant is almost like their, um, you know, their portal, their wand. And it's only like one, this is like this healer is 90 years old in the mountains and he only uses um, verbena. Like that's the only plant he uses for everything that anyone comes to see him for. So there's like people like that. You know, but, and I'm sure that there's people, you know, that make, I didn't find it, but like from conversations that I had, it is, it is less a contained or like experienced based teaching or training where people have these. It's because it's been so incorporated into their daily diet and he's rurally. And I spent most of my time rurally. And uh, my, my, my Nona, my dad's mom was born in the center of Sicily as well. So that's why I asked you what village, because uh, she was actually born in Enna. Oh, okay. um, which is, yeah. Um, but they were Contadini. So they were traveling. They were laborers, you know, land laborers. So she was probably born there, but <laughs> that's not where they lived. They had to probably move around a lot and just work whatever land that the landowners told them to go to. Um, wow. But they're from that area in general. The family is basically based out of in the, and I call it like the, the sacred wheat area, you mm-hmm. know, where, um, where the wheat grows. Goodness. The wheat really grows really well. And that, <sighs> and when you said like being at the base of Etna too, um, that volcano, they are so, oh, like, I, that's my greatest teacher volcano. I would say like, I'm a student of the volcano. I feel Um, you. Ooh, I feel you being, being like an artist and an expressionist or like, you know, a lot of that comes from ancestral and familial rage. There's a lot of rage in my family. Um, Mm -hmm. a lot of, mm -hmm, a lot of explosiveness. Um, you know, abuse and intense. Mm -hmm. And so I know I carry that. And so like a lot of my work has been internally has been to alchemize the volcano as medicine. Mm. Like my rage is still in me. I I can't rid myself of my rage because I'm a volcano person. (laughs) It's like, but like, it's this eruption, this, tension in this need for release um and the fierceness and the i mean the ability to like cover an entire like area with with lava and how the lava sort of streams in ways and 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 skips different areas there's a there's pathways where when i was going up the volcano and the person that was taking me, who is actually like the mythologist and a, and a uh, uh, geologist, so he knew a lot about a lot of things. And I was like, look at that shrine. Like, I'm seeing all this is like dead over here, but there's this lush area and there's a shrine. He's like, oh, that shrine's like 700 years old to La Marana. 
Uh-huh. And he's like, we call that Bagala. And Bagala means saved by God, basically saved by the volcano. He's like, it means saved by the volcano. The volcano is God to us. Yeah. And saved by the volcano, meaning the volcano is very conscious about the paths of the lava and will not, you know, obviously isn't going to destroy this 700-year-old shine to the mother. <laughs> is there a tree started- in that? Is there a tree? By that shrine? Yeah. Possibly. I, I saw it a few different times. I, I just noticed. Yeah. Like, how yeah. come these, how come this isn't destroyed? Yeah. How come this wasn't taken away? And so I was thinking about that wow. in myself. Like, how can I consciously be a volcano person where I'm not destroying what comes into my way? Because so much of, I think that my familial representation of that energy is destructive. Mm-hmm. Um I see you. So that yeah, <laughs> it's, it's hard. It's hard. Okay, I will. I won't romanticize what it actually looks like to like physically be raised in these environments because um, it was it was it was fucking rough. Yeah. Um, and still is. I mean, my parents are. I mean, my father still is. I, I love him, but this is not going to be any easier, even in his nineties. Um, so that has been part of like how much that island has taught me in the volcano and the, you know, the volcanic ways of being and how we can be like of the volcano and not be harmful, but like be conscious and how our, our movement, this passion fiery, you know, that we do have um, becomes art. And and rage is fine too, right? Like expressed rage is good. It's healthy. It's, 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 it's needed, you know, for the planet, but how I'm learning in my life to not do it in a way that harms or perpetuates that, you know, I have three teen daughters and they will push me. Wow. (laughs) They will push me. (laughs) Any, any teenagers, I think will push anybody, especially, you know, it's like showing up here now as I am is like, whoa. Raising three teens in this pandemic is like, wow, oh man. Oh my gosh. That's, that's so, I mean, like thinking of that energy too, of just like, that's in you, that's in them. That's like, it's in, you know, there's, it's coming from all, all angles, the past and the future. Future, yeah. Bringing that. I've been connecting so much with the image of, um, I mean, one this past season, I've I've experienced so much rage in this last like eight months of my life. Uh, more expressed rage than I've really ever allowed myself to express. I think growing up in that environment, feeling kind of like I'm not gonna do that, and then allowing myself to mm-hmm. let it out and realizing that the other energy I see in in the rage is inspiration. And like you're saying that like creative force, right? So it's like the fire is, it's like learning how to work with that energy that it need. what I feel in my body is that it it wants to express itself. It wants to erupt. And, and it almost, it, it's like it needs to erupt to be well. Like this is what I do. I erupt. And the eruption can be um, something that is, nourishing and creating new land or it can be something that's like destructive and and like decimating land and of course like there there's a part of that it's like there isn't a full separation right it's not it's not like this or that it's a little bit of this with that and a little bit of that with this 
they're both coexisting. And it is like, I'm feeling that learning, the more I allowed myself the space to express the rage, the more I could feel the connection to inspiration and creative energy. And the more I'm learning how to like, oh, here's this, here's the rising, here's the pressure, here's that like eruptive energy. And how can I feel it in a way that is going to, in some ways that, you know, there's usually like a breakdown of something Uh and there, and, and the breakdown can be generative. You know, it's like, there is so much happening in that, like ripping apart the like false beliefs and the, the patterning of trauma and like the things that's like, yes, I want to rip this apart and I'm going to build new land in the process. I'm gonna create something new that's gonna be nourishing and full of, like I just think of how rich and and like how mineral dense that soil is. Your work reminds me of it, like the way you are speaking right now and then seeing your, that's exactly it. Like I see that when I was looking at, yeah, you're, you're doing it. Thank you. I mean, yeah, so you're much. totally doing it. <laughs> just, it's, I'm, I'm so excited to learn more from you about working same. with pigments and minerals. And I'm really excited. I'm, I really am. I'm so glad. Maybe once <laughs> things. I'm like, oh, I need to learn. Same. I, I So before the pandemic started, I was teaching um a workshop that I had plans to extend into a retreat um, that was about, yeah. So I used to lead retreats back in the day um, before I got pregnant, a few years before I got pregnant. Um, and I love it. So like one of my favorite ways of connecting with people, like small groups yeah. in a, in a yeah. beautiful place, like, you know, getting to kind of like be in this really rich, full container together. Um, yeah and process and have fun and eat good food and laugh and like just the whole the whole way of being together in that way is mm. oh, I love it. Mm. So, so good. Yeah, so good. This yeah. this workshop was about um creating a color palette for our lives that reflects who we are and where we want to go. So so this idea that color can be uh it's it's a conversation with the with nature with with the external world and with ourselves, oh, yeah. our biology, our individual experience of this collective reality. And how can we utilize that tool that is so mundane and so permeated in, into really every aspect of life to further move us towards the life we desire and envision and also to remind us of where we are rooted and who we are. Um, and so, it, you know, there's a lot of like deep emotional processing in that and like the creative fun. And uh, I've been invited to teach one in in Mexico with the Zapotec community there. And so that's like coming on the horizon. So so um, they'll do some like indigenous color work there. But my my vision has been to do it in Sicily. So maybe you and I can team up and do it in Sicily. Yes. Oh. Because I've been oh looking for somebody to partner gosh. with because I'm like, I don't yes. know enough going on on the island to to, to hold that oh, container yeah. on my own. Absolutely. That would be amazing in the call. Yay. Oh, making, uh, that is overwhelmingly emotional to even just to hear you describe about the, you know, the colors and like how this, it's, 
Hmm. Yeah, I would love to support you in any way doing that. And maybe we can get some volcanic clay and make formations while we're doing it too. <laughs> I, yes, 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 yes. Like, I think we have something beautiful. <laughs> something synthesized. Like, I just, like, like you were saying, like, your ancestors are thinking my ancestors. My ancestors are thinking your ancestors. I feel like they're just having a party that they're like, finally, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're just, they're, they're over the fire making cheese. <laughs> yes. yes. Come together, eat, create, play. I feel like that's happening quite a bit, you know, and, and not with huge groups of people, but there's been a select few where we're like, we in this conversation and then we recognize that. We're like, oh, we've just been brought together. Yeah. Thank you. This is what's happening. Thank you so much. <sighs> Deep gratitude. Thank I mean, you. it's amazing that you were talking about this, like you're having this calling to the pigment and, and mineral and, and clay. And, mm -hmm. and I mean, I, the seed I planted to do this in Sicily was like years ago. And I was just like, I, there's a person here. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that like, you know, mm -hmm. let's make it happen. And, and there's somebody and else. Nadia's like, you're volcano people. Oh my Nadia. gosh. Right. So it was like, Nadia who know this person. It was Nadia. Like, Two volcano people. I it's amazing. And so Nadia and I met here on the show. And her episode is coming out Wednesday, which will be Good. like by the time this episode comes out, it'll be like a month prior. But so we sat down for the first time and I had I didn't even like like I've been following you on Instagram for I don't know a while, like six, six months, maybe a little yeah. bit more. Yeah. Um, and Nadia, I had just gotten connected to with one of my teachers. James Olivia, who was on the podcast and was like, you got to like know Nadia. Like they brought up Nadia and I was like, great. I got connected with Nadia immediately and was like, do you want to come on the show? It was like three days later that Nadia came on the show and we had this talk, great talk. And and then um, afterwards, I think it was maybe while we were recording, maybe right after we had ended, they were just like, oh, like volcano people I'm this yeah. is this is a connection that needs to happen and I was like oh my gosh I'm so excited because like I've been following Mary Beth and I just like I, I want to know so much more yeah. but also like there is I really appreciate that kind of that invitation and the synthesis of like mm -hmm. not just being a random person on the internet because yeah yeah you know no. I mean there's that there's things oh. in that yeah you know there's some things in that <laughs> for sure yeah, like I don't know. So when that happens, it's like the magic. It's like those are the like little magical threads that are like we're still here. It's not all this noise. It's not just this noise. Yep. And distraction. The mycelium and, and the volcano are bringing us together. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I I, really <sighs> I I also just this is so interesting. Like this has been a little dream I've had tucked in my back pocket that. I mean, I've never really said it out loud to anybody. I don't think maybe one person, but um, to like, I, I feel really called to share it with you. And it's, I'm laughing thinking like, oh, there are other people are going to hear this. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Because <laughs> we're talking in public yeah. right now. So let's yeah. put it out there. Okay, yeah. I hear you. Um, I've had this vision for so long of of buying property in Sicily and creating a retreat center there. And yeah, I just like, and like, the seed of like the mushrooms, I'm just feeling like maybe that's, there's some, that's something there. when you, when we, like, when we were talking about that, having like being at the edge of the volcano with 
mushrooms in us and under us and there was that that vision just flashed in my head of like oh oh yeah oh maybe that's it uh-huh. i've been actively looking i mean for places like that as well and they're there and they're and they and they they want love yeah and like talking about the mending too like thinking of thinking of how many people have left the island and i understand like it's so different for us right because we we've really like been raised with such different access to different resources and like different economic opportunities and like even growing up in poverty there's still like the life i'm living now wouldn't have happened if i was still on the island so i totally understand like why so many young people are leaving and what feels like this opportunity it's like almost like this pendulum it's like they're leaving for opportunities and we have this yearning to to go back to that land and to bring what we have back to the it, it feels like the mending in so many ways like of being on this land that we've experienced so much colonization and then we came and you know our ancestors were colonizers here like that you know and being like returning to our ancestral land in some way and and recognizing the the impact of how that story was perpetuated bringing Mm -hmm. back that energy for healing in all directions and then also to bring back, it's like they left for opportunity and we have it, right? We are living it. And we are the living, yeah. We're we, the living dream of that or the the prayer or the spell. It's like I don't know which one it is, but all of it. Yeah. That's 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 us. And then we get to bring it back and to think of like all that we have. I, I think of all the people I'm connected to and all of the, you know, the influence that we can bring to our ancestors, to the island, to the land, and knowing that there is this desire for it to be shared and preserved and and honored and witnessed. And there's a lot of layers of of repair and healing when that happens. Like, first of all, when like the small groups that I've brought over in much more of a um, sort of ancestral arts-based kind of situation um i you know we supported you know really localized elders and villages and it was really amazing like they were so grateful one more than anything to just be able to share this like that same symbiotic relationship i was talking about people are interested you all in over in you know america are interested in this stuff and like we're like we are you know the narrative is not of what we're experiencing here and there. So we go there and we share the narrative of like, no, we're sorry. We love you. We we're we're lost and, and thrashing and just craving little bits and, and then them generously giving and then also financially supporting because the fact of the reality is economics is hard there. So the basket maker, that's a seven generation basket weaver um is weaving a basket you know he's being supported in some ways by his community and and you know it's um but it's not uh, an economically really thriving place and i think it's because they're at heart 
truly anti-capitalist is what I'm, I can kind of see. They truly are. They're way not into that. But they also want to eat and they want, you know, and then their children want what they're seeing in the other, you know, in America. Mm-hmm. I, I, I thought of that because they were getting social media. They're getting all the all of the same kinds of things. All of our children are, are receiving through the streams. And um, the, the other layer of it is then, then when we, you know, going back and I, I watched most of all of the people that came the last time were of Southern Italian, deep Southern Italian or, or Sicilian. And then watching that sort of them like laying on the soil and being on the soil and having that happen in their own bodies. And the whole prayer for me was that then we go back here, we come back on, on this land that we don't necessarily belong to, but to contend to and having some of the information and wisdom from the soil that is made of our ancestors being within our bodies so that we could come back here and be more present, learn from that experience to maybe make just subtle or larger, better choices in how we be in community here or how we um, be with the soil and be with the plants and be with the ancestors of, of this, of this land that are not ours, you know, like I have one generation buried here when you think about it that way, you know, um, but to honor them as ancestors of those who, who do belong, there's a lot, it's complicated and kind of almost, I don't have language for it. And I know it's kind of like, you could look at it as like just being retreats or taking a trip, but it's like, Oh no, there's something else that's really deeply happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you don't need words for it. It's just sort of like experiencing it will change your cellular dynamic. Yeah. I mean, just oh. hearing your like vocal transmission of it, I, I can feel it. I can I feel it in the that. way that my body yearns for the soil to understand mm-hmm. like the way you spoke about dropping deeper into your body, mm-hmm. that there is a a grounding, a rooting, and then that kind of dropping in. It makes me think about what happens right before you give birth, you know, mm-hmm. when you have that drop. And, Mm -hmm. and there's that, there's that weight of life, just like Mm -hmm. sitting ready, ripe, ready to enter that there's like, when I, I imagine, cause I have yet to have the experience of touching that soil. I imagine when it does happen, that rooting, like you said, it's going to, it's going to fundamentally change me forever in the way that giving birth did, in the way that almost dying did, these things reorganize and reorient our consciousness, the cells in our body, the the like pathways in our brain. And, and I can see how giving birth and almost dying has changed my relationship to place, home, soil, the my relationship to colonization to supremacy culture to my participation in these things in the subtle the subtle participation like i've been talking a lot and thinking a lot lately about the way that supremacy culture is in my experience of being in my body and speaking with language and how language can have supremacy over me 
and how I can use language to have supremacy over another, like, you know, in these really subtle ways that create the foundation for the architecture of our society and get it. It's like, it, it's soil work. It's soil work to soil get work. into this stuff. And so it makes so much sense to me that returning to the soil that my cells know that my, that my bones I mean, it's like magnetic. Like I just feel my whole life, I felt the island like come to me. Yeah. And I, I've tried multiple times just, actually, but I've been, I've gotten sick every time I've tried to go. Very interesting. My body's just like, okay, go, but not yet. It'll be ready. You'll know. And you'll know. I mean, something's love, happening here. So Something's happening here. And a friend of mine had said something, and I really I love what they said, um, that um, we won't really know how to dismantle until we really learn how to make, like make with our hands. And you said something there, and it's, there's something about like, wow, and what if when we learn to make from the soil, just for the process of making and crafting and, and the colors and the making of the soil <sighs> another level than just like buying art supplies or whatever but like learning to make from the soil and what that can really dismantle just in the action of making within our own bodies like i think that that is something to just like wow. with and hold and and reminds us i think what happened in, in a lot of those two thousand years of colonization and then coming here in this supremacy culture and in being a part of it has for me a lot of my work is I've been cut off from the lower half of my body you know I'm, I'm like in this weird thing you know all of a sudden there's these sky gods and there's you know there's and it's like this and I have to think and I have to intellectualize and that's part of supremacy culture right is being all up here and mm -hmm. and being in the soil anywhere but specifically there too and, and landing i landed on the lower half of my body knowing too that you know so many of my ancestors were working in the soil whether they were in, indentured working in the soil or working in the soil for pleasure hopefully they were able to as well but um mm. that lower half of the body the bottoms of the feet the thighs the hips the gut the behind the belly, the sexual or all of that, like coming back into it is a very sensual lower body feeling that like, I have to work a lot harder here in practice. I got to practice and practice to like be more in that. Yeah. I'm with you. And be able to sense through life. That's like the intuitive senses and I'm heart based. Like heart is good and it's great, but my head is like up. It's like I need to be like, and then this all informs how I my mind decides it wants to behave in the world. Um, and that has been that's a lot of um the practices I like to hold space for and container for too, I think. I'm getting to that point where it feels like we all should probably remember that we have <laughs> you know. All lower halves yeah that all look different and beautiful and and um are, it's what's like the earth is like moving through us down here you know Ooh. oh gosh there's so much in my in my mind right now like so many directions that i could <laughs> i could go with that like i'm just i'm thinking about what you were saying about how they're really embodying an anti-capitalist 
way of life there and how for me in this season of my life, I feel like I'm getting, I'm more in my lower half than I've ever been. It's not fully synthesized. And I really think that the soil piece of, I really think the volcano is my missing puzzle piece there. Like I can, I mean, I feel that so much in my, in my body, but I'm more in than I've ever been. And what has allowed me to do that is slowing down and the connection there of the, the model of supremacy culture and capitalism having the speed that moves us. And, and with that speed, it's really this like up, 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 up. I get revved up, you know, and then to slow down, <laughs> I, right? you know, it's like, yes, you slow, don't slow up, you don't you slow, slow up, you slow down. Exactly. <laughs> and there's like, there's something in that, that feels so, um, really integral to the process of being able to em embody the lower portion of mm -hmm. this vessel that I have and what it, like, I'm also thinking about what you were saying with like the forward facing, like the soil that faces mm -hmm. the sky and the soil that faces the core of the earth and the way that connects with mycelium and with ochre and, you know, like pigments. Ochre to me is like this, it, it's time that we get to hold because it comes from the core of the earth. It's like iron rich minerals. That's that's what ochre, ochre is a category of a rock. So it's any rock that's iron rich. And so depending on the other components that are with it, uh, it will have varying colors, um, but it's iron rich rock. And then there, there's other categories of earth pigments, but ochre is really where um, my heart feels the most resonance. And, um, and I don't go too deep into the scientific side of things. Cause for me, it's really mm -hmm. about relationship and I, I don't want to know, I want to be with, I want to relate, I want to listen, you know? And, and so a lot of my experience with minerals is, is beyond language. It's experiential. Um, it's the kind of transmission that I want to share, like with a friend who I know can like hold and honor that same space. I don't want to teach it for money. It's like, that's not, this is relational work for me. Um, and, and in that it's, it is relationship to deep time. And in order to what, what has been coming into clearer focus for me is in order to understand who and how I am in this moment, you know, the, the impact that I have the potential to make and also the, the brief whisper of time that I'm here and alive, understanding that happens when I look at deep time, when I look at the fact that there are marks that my ancestors made in a cave 20,000 years ago that I can still see, that I can see the mark that they made 20,000 years later. I'm not even on that land anymore and I can see them. And I can feel their story through that mark, right? I'm living this life because of the choices that my ancestors made, because of their resilience in the face of harm. And then also because of the harm that they perpetuated. Like I am the embodiment of all of those choices. And when I think about, like, I don't know their names. I don't know those ancestors' names who made those marks. And I know the mark that they made. And so like the individuality of who I am, what I take from that, from that understanding of deep time is that I am so irrelevant in this story and I am so essential in this story. 
right? right? Like the mark that I choose to make will reverberate through time in a way that I can't comprehend. And my name may never be attached to it. And it doesn't need to be. So like I hold, I hold ochre and it tells me slow down. You know, it's like, if you want to understand who you are, slow down because you're not going to grasp it if you're only looking at, you know, the past 30 years, the past 50 years, the past 100 years. Look at time. Look at time. Deep yeah. time. And I think about like the ancestral arts of like, like you said, seventh generation basket maker. It's like, there's an embodiment of time in that, in the ancestral arts practices that live on, in the ancestral recipes that take days to make, that there's the slowing down. And then in that slowing down, we have this invitation to be like, hey, look at this whole other way of being in the world, like in your body, in the soil and in the soil of your skin all the way down. Oh. So good. It's just mm, that's and then it's like yeah, that's pleasure. That's pleasure and sexual pleasure. liberation in it's, there. Oh, totally. <sighs> like, like hello, yes, please. And like we talk about the volcano, like the the yeah. sexual energy of that too. It's so fertile and it's so vibrant and expressed. Yeah. And I also think like there's there's another piece I would love to hear what you have around this, like. For me, there's so much curiosity I have around um, the treatment of like women and femmes on the island, like the history of sexual trauma, and also the way that the mafia ties into that, like, you know, kind of this like real embodiment of supremacy and control in a place that feels like it inherently, I have so much curiosity around the existence of the mafia because when I look at it, it's like, you are destroying your own, like you, you have this presentation, like you're supporting the, I like, there's this, like, if you're in, you're in and we'll protect you. And like, there's like this, like pride, but then in that pride, it's like decimating the Island. And so it seems like counter to this kind of whole essence of like, it, it's like, wouldn't you want to preserve Sicily to, to like, be Sicilian in the world. Like if there's that kind of like mentality of like being in, you know, and I mean, I guess there's like so much fractured consciousness and pain and like it's far beyond like what, yeah. you know, it's not in my realm of thinking, but it hurts to look and see the kind of more modern pain that's being played out on the island. Yeah. I'm curious what you have around yeah. that. Well, the mafia piece, um, everybody I spoke to about it, they're all, anti-mafia obviously and um i didn't feel i didn't feel i didn't feel that energy there and that's probably because i so consciously am with was with people who res who i resonated with mm -hmm. um but when i was talking about going back to my my nono's village my dad my bonfilio my dad's dad who is um from a village in Tortorici, uh, in Messina, it's a village called Tortorici. They were like, mm. and I was like, what? I want to go. And I was scared to go there alone. It's very, that whole area is very um, saturated 
with the mafia. Um, Alessandra Baloney actually was telling me a story about that area a couple of years ago when she had done a, a, a retreat there, a drumming retreat, that there was actually like some sort of throwdown, like there was like a mafia throwdown there, just like 2018 or something like that. Um, I, <laughs> I, I met somebody who's, whose job was to take down the mafia there. So it's an issue. I mean, it's become a, it's become like, you know, this like um, just bad gang that just takes money from people. Yeah. They don't really do anything. And I think initially, I, I don't know the history of the mafia super, super well, but I know initially it was supposedly, you know, to kind of fight off this, you know, this, the citrus was um, the, it had to do with the citrus. Well, it started in the citrus. You're right. It yeah. started in like citrus orchards. Yeah. I, my, my partner actually just shared that story with me, uh, listening to something on NPR and, and shared a story, but Ooh. I think it was really to protect from the North, you know, uh, what the North was sort of doing when, um, they came down and sort of, and just took over the South. Um, that makes sense. Okay. But, so it was like protection. Yeah. But it became right. Mm-hmm. So protect. Right, but it went bad pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, the femme and the uh, the femme feminine. It depends where you are. Um, I never felt unsafe. Um, there was one. There were many times, though. I was questioned, like, why are you here alone? Like the first time I went, I was all by myself for like wow. a month. Wow. Um, you must want sex was basically the message. If you're here alone, oh, you're partnered with somebody. You know, I, I'm partnered with somebody. They're watching our children and I'm here alone. Well, that must mean you must, and you, you can't be here for so long without sex. You <laughs> must want sex. There was some of that. And I was like, no, actually not not really looking for it. Like the island of I've got a real hot and romantic thing going on ourselves. So, so we're, I'm good. Like I'm real good. Um, I'm like the ocean, the sea is holding me and I, I'm feeling really good everywhere. I definitely don't need your, you. Um, so there are some of that. Um, <laughs> one of my best friends there, who's a real big part of the work I do there. And, um, you know, they're non-binary and queer and they are really um, speaking and and they're in a village, you know, tiny little teeny mountain village. And so their work is, it's, it's big for um, this, this places, right? It's not necessarily in the same ways that maybe, you know, there's not violence against them. There's not that. It's more just like, What's happening? You know, a little confusion yeah. um, and trying. I, I see trying, but um, Manu is definitely like really pushing hard a lot of things, and and there's community within there doing that. That's so cool. So I feel, and I also, you know, I always wanted to go there and live full time with my children, and I never was like, well, that they, they need to have a place that they can be comfortable being their own identities. And um, yeah. I feel like that movement is happening more so, and there's more conversations happening and more action and just more being present to it. So that like, you know, tact, like just tactical, practical things like that, it feels um, 
it feels um, the word like there's growth or there's something happening and awakening as well. And the city is, you know, it's not as unusual. You know, it's not like it's just, these are smaller villages and that's where I tend to want to be. And I'm seeing, you know, um, the like acceptance or whatever you want to say is like, it's growing. There is a, um, a consciousness sort of growing around that. Um, mm. In one village, I will tell this story. I was walking in this village in the Marania, it's Ganji. It's like the one village that got famous for selling the dollar houses, you know? Oh yeah. And um, <laughs> yeah. And I was walking with a friend of mine and this guy was following us and you know, it's just any more that could happen anywhere in the U.S. either. Totally. You know, but, but you have to know hand signals, hand talking there to know what's going on. <laughs> and I'm following us and I just kind of turned around and I was like, huh. and he was all, and I knew what that meant. So like this hand signal is like a pretty offensive, I want to like, oh, fuck you kind of, you know, terminology. And I was just like, I gave him a bunch of curses back. And I was like, oh, wait, you know, what the fuck? Wait, yeah, those are the old exact. It's like, you kind of scream and yell at people in the streets there, too, in a way that you can't hear. People aren't quiet. People don't feel the need to be quiet or nice or polite or anything like that. So there's a lot of like that. I know that. Yeah, you know, right? It's like, we're not even polite here. And like, I felt like I was able to yell back and I kind of pushed my energy back. And I felt safe. Like I yeah. never didn't feel safe, but I don't experience on a day, day to day basis. And I'm probably best to actually really talk to people like Manu, my friend uh, who I was telling you about, they would probably have a way more um, insightful perspective about what's like really happening and navigating um, worlds that aren't just like this binary or like dogmatic Catholic type of society. Yeah. Um, that's definitely there, but also not that religious, which I found too interesting. Like this very still pagan. And, Makes sense. They like yeah. pray to the mother yeah. and the child, you know, Yeah. <laughs> like a, in- seeing that even in the like Catholic infusion that they're still like the Madonna and the child yeah, is like based, you know, like based seasonal based festivals and, yeah. and, and dances that they're still doing. And so, wow. um, I don't know if it's still embodied within them. I imagine because these are physical practices that they've been doing for generation and generation. Um, so, you know, it's just interesting to, in, in my perspective, in my lens, I'm very aware of that. I'm not, Sicilian anymore, really, right? So I'm going there, and I'm I'm watching and, and learning this from this perspective of being of living in the majority of, you know, the West most of my life, Western United States. I mean, half of it was in New York, but then then I became an a you know an adult or graduated university, SUNY, and then came out west and just experiencing you know, it, from that perspective, I know that there's a lot of blind spots and a lot of things I don't understand and I'll never understand. I mean, people told me there's many layers to Sicily and you might have gotten the first few. Mm. You have to spend more and more time here to really understand the really deep ones. Yeah. And I know that there's probably a lot of fuckery as well. So yeah, nowhere is perfect and every place needs to be sort of um, repaired in the larger sense. 
Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it's kind of a part of, uh, it's a part of the reclamation, the healing, the embodiment that I can, and, and the rage too. Like when I hear of some old stories of how like there was a law on the island, I don't remember the years, but not, not that long ago where like if a woman was raped, then like she, like she had to get married to the man who raped her and like things like that where I can feel the rage of my ancestors just like I think it was the late 80s that that was finally passed the woman who did it was Franca Viola and her family finally like they rebelled against that law and that law was that after she was raped she refused to run away and marry him and that running away and marrying him would have been um it would have um, absolved him from the sin of rape and it would absolved her family from the shame of her being raped. So marriage was the only option. And her family were like, no, we're stopping this now. And they took it to the courts and they won. And that was a really big, huge moment, I think. I mean, it's Brave just. People. And their house got burned down. Somebody can burn their house down for doing that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Their store family story is pretty amazing. The layers, the layer. I'm I'm yeah. seeing the layers of like that experience, uh Medusa. Mm-hmm. Right. And like there's the story of Medusa, and then there as somebody who's experienced years of uh incestuous rape in my life from my father, I see her story through a very different lens. And I think of the way that this is like perpetuated in our culture, in, in our Sicilian culture of the 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 violation of bot and like the control on our bodies as people who have vulvas and vaginas and the the rage and also the deeper layers there of colonization. And even how like we have the archetype of Medusa is like a part of the colonized story, you know, cause like, that, like, so that's interesting, but also like there, there's like some kind of reckoning in here. Like my bones call for the old, 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 like it keeps taking me further back, 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 yeah. back. And it still holds like the recognition that it's not about like, it's not rejecting everything that we received through colonization because that has shaped who we are also. And and it's more about like, how can it fit together in that symbiotic way? Mm-hmm. And so like Medusa for me, when I look at her story, I think about how like she was raped and like, and then shunned. And there's this whole, story of like, if you look at her, you turn to stone. Like I see her rage. Right. And also like the serpents on her head. I see that like the serpent being like root energy and the Mm -hmm. kind of dissociative energy of being raped and how you like up into your, like up into the upper parts of your body or out of your body. Body, And like, to me, she kind of embodies the dissociative pattern of being raped and the rage of like, how a gaze can feel like violation and this like righteous rage of just like you 
I will not be harmed and how like now I'm even thinking of the cartoon and the, the wow. like fierceness of that shape and the like yeah. the process of like um like the 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 way that we have to armor ourselves or feel like we have to armor ourselves like I feel that still in my body when I when I think about like some of these laws, like I can, I, you know, some of the ex cultural stories, like I, I feel that, that feeling of wanting to armor in rage. And then I feel the volcano reminding me of how to be liquid, how to be fierce, how to create new land with softness and ferocity. Like they coexist. The, 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 like it's liquid and then stone. It's like, it's malleable and then solid it's fire and then land it's like it, it yeah. it's it, it it's both together and so like i look yeah. at medusa and i and i just feel like i feel her pain i feel her her rage and then also the fact she, that she's like protecting our island that it's like that divine mother that's like I just love you so much like why are you hurting me why are you hurting me i just want to love you and like if you <laughs> like how can I just like and and then I think of like the wheat and the plants that are around her and how there's also these like three legs and this kind of energy of like being in there's so much in the symbol of our flag like yeah. the colors even like the colors are like ochre to me that yellow and red it's like speaking about the soil it's speaking about blood and 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 then like having the like legs that's like be in the body and having medusa that's like the trauma kind of like this embodiment of trauma for me trauma. and also kind of the answer to it the healing that's like protect like the love the protection of love mm -hmm. and embodiment and that the plants are this like way the soil like oh. that whole flag for me oh, just is like rewrite this myth it's 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 so <laughs> powerful i've never heard anybody speak about it this way mm. oh oh my love that is just thank you your, the ancestors really just moving through you in that that is mm. Oh, I, I mean, maybe like don't write it, but just hold that. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but like <laughs> that was really, I had never really experienced mm. that truth in that way before. So I'm so, <sighs> thank you. Thank wow. you. Thank you for receiving that. I mean, it's one of those things where I feel like wow, that feels like the gift too of being where we are, that it's like, because I wasn't conditioned to see it in a certain way, I see it through my lived experience. I, yeah. I hear it through the stories in my bones, not through the oral transmission, because I didn't get the oral transmission. So I hear this echo, and then I see it with like such a different lens. And so it is like, it just feels like the puzzle pieces, like we bring what we have with the perspective we have with the like, yearning in ourselves and then we fit it together with what's still alive there and and it just feels like the healing in all of that mm -hmm. and that there's so there's just so much richness in this process of reclamation in all directions it just proves that disconnection is an illusion oh. it's an illusion yeah. it's the biggest lie we aren't disconnected. Like that connection is so ancient that you just portaled conduit, you know, through you that like it's never was. There was no, you didn't have to reconnect it. You just trusted that it was there still. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's just like vibrating. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. I just, I feel so enriched by being with you. And I, I just feel like this is the start of a lifelong journey side by side in some way. I do too. Really do. Who would have thought on a Friday morning in April? (laughs) Here we are. And and, okay, the connection to like place that you and I have rooted in is there. And I think I'm not 100% sure because just like my my treatment brain right now with just like being in this new treatment, I'm kind of soupy. I'm like 99% sure my grandmother is from Jamestown. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And then she moved. It's like Jamestown or um, there's another one that's like spiraling in my brain, but I can't quite grab it. I'm going to ask my mother after I hang up and I'm going to text you and let you know. And send me because that's a real possibility because I actually found some other sweet cousins on Instagram. They're in Buffalo. Well, one's in Buffalo, one is in Brooklyn, but (laughs) they found me. They're like, oh my gosh, my family's from Jamestown. I'm so glad that you're talking about, you know, our culture this way. And, and then we started piecing it together and they're like, cousins of mine they were like we're related i just like i'm wondering if this is if this might be our like if there might be some distant relation here too because i feel like there's um like okay so timeline wise i'm gonna be 30 this year so my grandmother was she died when i was she was in her 70s so she would she would have been of your dad's generation Probably your grandma, my dad, probably exactly yeah. the same. And I don't really know what her community was like or even, I mean, like they might've known each other. They very likely did know each other. Every, I could give still to this day, anyone's last name. Okay. My father and my father would be like, I remember, oh yeah. Because they all li- they all had to live in one side of the town. Right. They weren't allowed to go anywhere else. They all lived in these one area. That's where they had to stay. They had their own community there. They had their own school, which was free Catholic school where all the immigrant kids went and or kids of immigrant kids went. And that was pretty much, they so they all knew each other. They all took care of each other in a lot of ways too. Oh my gosh. Okay. So do you want to know my, my grandmother's name? Yeah, do you have it? I do. Her name was... Okay, let me write it down. Okay. I'm so curious. <laughs> that would just that would just, just yeah. blow me away. Um, her name was Lena Lee Messina. Oh, Messina's. I know the Messina's in Jamestown. There's Messina's in Jamestown. There's Messina's at a lot Everywhere. of places. Yeah. So Lena Lee Messina. Okay. Um, All right. And I think she married my grandfather like after she... Um, I don't totally know kind of like her migration from where she grew up to Buffalo. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know where she met my grandfather. I think she met my grandfather in Buffalo, but um, I'm trying, I'm looking. We had family in Buffalo too and in Niagara Falls. Like they kind of went where there was um, factory work. Right, right. So there was land, there was more land for them and there was factory work for them to work. So that's kind of the way they migrated, I think, to Western. Like Rochester has a heavy, heavy population, Buffalo. Totally. Jamestown. Jamestown at one point was pretty much like just Italians and Swede, the original Swedish settlers. 
Whoa. <laughs> it was like, and there was a line. Wow. There was a line where it was like this side of town and that side of town. Wow. <laughs> For a really long time. That's Yeah, so it's interesting to see the hierarchy of like two, like hierarchy of like color and race move through the years there too. It's weird. That's another whole story of, you know, embodiment. Yeah. Really interesting. Like I know my I I my mother has told me stories of my grandmother growing up in like basically within a segregated community that mm-hmm. like she wasn't allowed to swim where the white kids were swimming and like yeah. you know and yeah. and um it's so interesting to think of how quickly assimilation happens. Like really in like passing passing and assimilation when you're you know it's like oh yeah pass totally. Thank you. Yeah. I'll take the card. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really fast. It's also really interesting for me because like I don't read white. Mm-hmm. Um like people that's not like throughout my entire life like I I yeah. I don't I want I don't want to make some sweeping statement cuz of course I don't remember all the moments of my life, but mm-hmm. um the norm in my life is that people do not be- think that I'm white. That's never the like totally. it's never what I'm met with. Um yeah. and and that's just, it's such an interesting space to occupy that in my body that like, um, I feel like I'm kind of the, my skin is the embodiment of reminding us that this is created, that the harm is real and also the structure is fabricated. It's created, yeah. Um, uh, I have a daughter who is similar to your complexion and hair color. Um, and assist, you know, it's like, it scatters throughout the family. And um, people like won't believe her either. Yeah, she's like, I'm just white. I'm Italian, but I'm white. And they're like, You're like not. No, you're not. Yeah. 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 And and also, it's like weird. (laughs) Yeah. And and then and and I want to be like, Yeah. And like, I I I hold with great regard the privileges that I have. You know, I I hold the responsibility of that, you know, with with a lot of recognition and respect and and uh, desire to participate in dismantling that structure. And also I hold the nuance of what my inheritance is and what my, you know, it's not like it's not like white, you know, like Irish or I mean, I guess Irish, they experienced some you know, yeah. racism as well, but like thinking of like people who in their lineage don't have like a history of racism, you know, actually more often than not in my his, in my lineage is a history of experiencing racism. It's only in the past two generations that that has changed, you know? So it's like, it's like honoring their story and also like recognizing the trade-off that they made and the like, you know, the way that there was this assimilation into the power structures at the expense of other people, you know, and like, there's a lot to hold in That's a lot to hold it's a lot to hold in that. Yeah. And even just like looking at my blood, like what's in my blood, like I've, and I, I hold the DNA tests like loosely, because you know, yeah. we we also like the way that genetics are passed. And you know, it's like, mm-hmm. we're not getting a full story, right. But mm-hmm. the story that's alive in my skin is almost 50% of my blood originates on the island of Sicily. Another quarter is Middle Eastern and North African. 
And then the rest are like these small little bits, like less than a percentage of scattered Southern Mediterranean. So I see that and I'm mm-hmm. like, that's our story. Like that's yeah. the rape of colonization. That's mm-hmm. our Arab history on the island. Mm-hmm. And what I'm guessing is like maybe an ancient indigenous Sicilian, you know, blood. Population. Yeah, blood. Yeah, that's similar to my dad. I haven't gotten the DNA test yet. Um, I just, I did, I did my dad's, I did, we did my, I did both my parents so I could see theirs. That's so cool. And, um, that's my dad's, my dad's is that, and he's like 75% of the Island. And then the rest basically Middle Eastern, North African and like, yeah, little scatters of Mediterranean. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it's interesting because I have friends that now identify in some of the area that identify as like Mediterranean. They're like trying to become like trying to just like bring the nuance into that, you know, and it's hard in this binary world that we live in. Yeah. It's so hard and the nuance of identities, right? Like, even though I look this way, this is not how I identify, you know, like you were saying, like my identity, like the way I look is not the way I'm asking, you know, asking to be identified or identifying with myself and, that's a whole really long conversation because I think it's really important because we're starting to like really feel the nuances, all the little grains of soil that we're made of mm. and by holding on one side and then the other side, the reality of what we're living in now. Mm-hmm. And some, I mean, having conversations like this makes me feel like, you know, evolution or healing is possible. But <laughs> most of the time these days, I'm just like, yeah. I mean, it really does feel like the, like, I mean, what you were saying of synthesizing something when we touch that soil, being able to embody something different and then returning with that encoded in ourselves so we can do the, the healing work here. You know, it's like, it feels like this whole pro- process. And the thing that I come to more and more and more lately is that it's all relational work dismantling supremacy culture, capitalism, like all of the layers healing the harm that has been done, it's relational work. And it cannot happen without relating. It can't, we, you know, like to manipulate and to express power over somebody else in the process of trying to dismantle the structure built in powering over, it's more of the same. Like one of my teachers is like, you cannot oppress something that you participate in. And that, you know, so like to me, it's like this speaking to the nuance, embodying the nuance. It's like in order to understand the nuance that I embody and inhabit in my skin and cultural identity and inheritance, you have to relate to me. You can't put me in a box and say, this is what you are. I mean, you can, like so that's an yeah. experience somebody can do, but sure, but like, yeah. And why? Like, and what right. does that serve? Does it just serve your rage and hurt? And if so, that like yeah. that's fine, that's valid, and like you can do that if that's the experience that right. um, you know you want and need in this moment. And also, like the healing is going to happen through li- relating, relation, relationship, right? Radical relationship, yeah, with each other, yeah. So there's that's where the nuance has its mm. space to breathe. Oh, May everything we do support that relating. <sighs> <my> prayer. 
<laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'm seeing that it's 12. I was going to stop us like 20 minutes before so we could do these yeah. questions. Do you have a hard out right now? I've got like 15 more minutes. Okay, cool. Do that? Yeah, Let's okay, do these cool. questions. Okay. okay, cool. Okay, fun. Um, okay, how do you define relating to self? <laughs> oh, on the spot. Okay. And it can also just be the start because I know some of these questions mm -hmm. are deep. Well, so something you said was like the slowing down. Mm. Slowing down and listening. Mm. and laying on the ground mm. these are ways i try to relate to myself so i don't know how i would define relating to self except for the ways that i practice it mm. um there's something else it's express it's expressing so it's expression so it's the slowing down and the listening And the laying on the ground is a big one for me. Mm. And then expressing like being with what wants to be expressed out. So even though then it becomes outside of myself, I can look at it too and be like, oh, okay, that's me. <laughs> so in my writing or anything else, right, that comes from that practice, I think that's oh, how I would begin. I love that. Yeah, with you with you in that, the how. Okay, what does creativity mean to you? <laughs> like everything, <laughs> pretty much everything. And um, it's medicine. It means that I get to relate to myself in that creativity. So there's that piece. And it also means being creative is also, for me, a really generous way that I can make offerings mm. to, the, to the world, to the earth, to people who will come after me. Like you said, maybe no name attached is ever on it, but there's a creative force that comes through that wants to just come through me and just be offered. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. I'm just like feeling the cyclical spin of relating to self and creative expression. And that kind of cycle feels like a vortex through time. Like I could just reach into it through time. Oh, I love that. Um, okay, next one. What one life skill do you think could dramatically change our culture if we all personally attended to it? And life skill could be anything from like reading a map to, uh, I mean, to like presence or like, you know, however, like complex or simple. Um, planting and saving and saving seeds and planting and saving seeds. Wow. I'm like getting flush with that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. Whew. That feels like could change everything if every single one of us learned to breathe you know along with breathing and talking and walking was to plant and save the seed yeah wow i just want to again i want to like go run out to my garden right now 
<laughs> wow. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. Um, okay, next one. What do you make space for or effort towards every day? Laying on the earth. Mm. Just without anything, like nothing, just laying there, nothing underneath me. Mm. You know, no blanket or anything. Just I make space to just lay there, a belly and back. Mm. Wow. I mean, it's sometimes I skip brushing my teeth to do so. So I love that. <laughs> you know, pack life, mom life. Yeah, there's life. a trade off. Yeah. There's got to be a trade off somewhere. <laughs> I love, like, I feel like I know you so much through that sentence. Like, I see your priorities, I see your heart, I feel you, I feel like your, your commitment to, uh, to, to this this work of being human in a in a generative way like i they're whew, it's, it's taking me places it's taking me a lot of places okay next question what type of world are you creating like Fertile with sensual, sexual, creative liberation, mm. um, where everybody practices radical relation relating. Mm. <laughs> we just spoke. That's it. That's it. That's it. Ooh. I feel the volcano in those words. Right? <sighs> just exploding with joy. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Three more. What are you celebrating about our world right now? Oh, that all the flowers are still, they're still blooming. The trees are still blooming. The plants are still here. They're still coming. I mean, maybe they might be a little creepy too, like with all of us, like that's true and, and real, but they're still ex fully expressing themselves. The oh lilacs are still freaking on fire. They're still like, I'm showing off. Oh. <laughs> They're like, <sighs> oh my gosh. I, I uh, like your answer to answers to these questions. I'm, I just, I'm going to run outside as soon as we're done and lay on the earth and like yeah. the birds built a nest right outside of my house, like in the, in the awning of my house. And I'm just going to go like lay under them and. Uh, this is thank you for all like I just I feel like I'm gonna look at the world the rest of the day today especially with through such a different lens oh okay two more what terms of endearment do you love receiving that's just like a fun little terms one it's like words yeah like honey yeah, yeah, yeah. love babe yeah, 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 I don't know yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. it um, might be um yeah 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 um oh god <laughs> um oh my god i don't i'm like at a, i'm i'm blanking i'm blocking what term of endearment okay you know this sounds really this might sound really really ridiculous but when my partner who is super a, a, 
well, he's Scott Irish. He's like my wasp. He's my wasp. <laughs> but he will talk to me in like a really thick, deep Italian accent. And like, instead of me being like angry with him for like copying my family, like, you know, people's accent, like, but he'll do it in such a loving way. And like, when he's cooking and like wanting me to like share whatever he's cooking and he'll talk in, in like that, like, I do actually really love it. Like, I really feel it's seen. Oh my gosh, I love I really that so seen. much. Yeah. That's like so sweet. That. Like he's trying. <laughs> yeah. Like he's like, I see your love language here. Yeah. Of yeah. food and, yeah. and like yeah. expression. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, love he's that. He's actually a better, pretty much better cook than me anyway. <laughs> so like, that's cool. And then he's like, I'm going to say that. So like, and he'll like feed me with that. So. Oh my gosh. I love that. I'm seeing like I'm seeing the synthesis too of your ancestors, how you're like feeding your ancestors yeah. when you eat and yeah. just like the the yeah. mirroring there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. Okay, last one. What do you want to leave listeners with today? Just that slowing down and, tr and trusting what's underneath you, like trusting and listening with what's underneath you and not even just the surface, but like what's underneath the surface. Oh, like, like listen and practice a relationship with that realm of beingness. Because in to me, the oldest mythology that I can find around where the ancestors dwell, it's there. Oof. It's the, it's it's underneath, underneath, underneath. It's not in heavens. It's that deep. That's where they are and um mm -hmm. where the information is coming up into us. Ooh. I really feel that's like if anything, that just everyday practice slowing down and being like what am I hearing or feeling? What am I sensing? What am I sensing? That would be the word to use. What am I sensing? Wow. You know, <sighs> 2,000 feet below me. <sighs> wow. There's, I feel so affirmed in, in hearing you say that. Because I felt this like um, in the search for knowledge, feeling the like headiness. And then the more I just like, I just want to be with the land. I just want to be with the land. Mm -hmm. And the, that kind of feeling of like, well, but I'm not going to be like to be a real Sicilian. I'm using air quotes like. I need to know our songs and our words and our practices. And then it's like just the being in the soil, being with the soil, even just the idea of the soil feels like home. And I feel like that message from my ancestors, like I hear them in that call and seeing you hear the same call and have the same experience. It's like just the affirmation of like, this is, this is where it is. This is where it is. Time and time again. Oh, how can we support your work? I mean, one, I signed up for your ancestor, tending to the ancestral gut workshop, and I am so excited. Okay. I am so <laughs> excited. Um, but what else is going on for you, and how can people keep up with your work? Oh, um, well, 
I think probably just going to my website, which is just my name and uh, marybethbonfilio.com and just signing up for, um, it's called like notes from a farmhouse or a newsletter. I don't know. I change it so many times, the name of it and signing up. And then a lot of times I'll do just like pop-up things. I do have like a very specific program, which I call the it's blood and belonging, the ancestral wisdom unschool. <laughs> so where it's like a longer nine month sort of thing, it's pretty accessible. Um, and I'm finishing up one round of it now and that starts again in October. And that's where we kind of sit and, and talk about all this kind of stuff for nine months and like do hand practice, you know, we'll make things and we'll be with these things and we'll think about what's deeper, the deeper sort of like wisdom in, in these making things, why our ancestors made these sort of bundles or, and not from necessarily a written perspective because there isn't any. So we all have to listen to our bodies. So a lot of, Soma practice, you know, of listening. And, um, and that starts in October. So that's kind of like the thing that I'm focusing on doing now. Is that for Sicilians, Italian? Like, yeah. is that open for everyone? It's open for everybody. I mean, I come from the lens of my own cultural perspective of what I know, but like, I think we're all sort of in the same boat in, in who we are, like not really knowing fully anything and just kind of having bits and pieces of stories or whatever. And it's really an invitation for wherever your your folks came from, um, and specifically challenging Euro descended folks as you know so called European lands because I do think it's important for um, for us to do this work. Um, I mean, it's, it's inclusive to everybody, but like it's there's going to there's a lot about supremacy culture in it, and like dismantling that through kind of doing your own work and listening to your own ancestors. So there's a lot of like ancestral practices where that same thing where you're talking about, like, I might not know all these things. And there's a lot of actual cultures where there is a lot of things written down. You can find a lot of things if that's what you're looking for. So it's an invitation for that, but also to really listen to the, how the land moves up through your body and getting um, that. So it's for everybody. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it so much. And how about like Instagram? What's your, I know you've got two accounts. Mm -hmm. You want to plug them? I have two accounts, right. The first one is Mary Beth Bonfilio. And then the other one is uh, Ruddy G. Siciliane, which is really focused on, you know, whenever, whenever we're able to move through pilgrimage on ancestral land again. So that's a kind of account that just shares mostly um, Sicilian or Sicilian American oriented sort of posts. Um, for that so those those are the two. Oh my goodness and my my name one i just come up and share whatever i feel like yeah <laughs> so it's more that. more personal art. Yeah. yeah just art yeah. yeah oh my goodness mary Beth, thank you so much yeah. for being here so such much. a joy to connect and i look forward to anything that's ahead in relating with really you looking forward to our friendship and kinship it's been beautiful i'm so honored to it with you um really beautiful person and um i feel like i have known you a really long time and this is the first time we met so i, I have a lot of yeah a lot of hope for that. what's to come i feel that i mean i've been like clutching my heart so much in this conversation like, i'm just like oh i just i feel you in inside of my body like my heart is just like yes 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 yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And I and I actually feel for the first time like 
a doorway open to go to the island yeah, me too. through connecting with too. you. I feel like for, I feel like there's something that's going to happen. So I'm really interested in learning and sitting with you and just like, like you know, feeling comfortable um, because I've been thinking about this for a while now and like really only today put it together that I was meeting you and I'm like, Oh, they're like, they know what they're doing about this is somebody <laughs> I can talk to about this. So you just, you just brought a whole new layer of, of something to me. So I'm so grateful. Yeah. <laughs> just vibrating, vibrating. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you again. I'm just so yeah, grateful. I'm sending you so much love, you and yours and relations. I appreciate all of your relations. And I, my ancestors are saying, thank you. I love you to your ancestors. Same, same. I feel like they're having a party. <laughs> they're celebrating. Now it's time for Creatively Exploring, your opportunity to digest today's episode through your own creative expression. I have to tell you, every time I go to record that because I don't have notes in front of me, I'm always a little bit worried that I'm going to get it wrong, <laughs> that I'm going to say creatively relating, which is the name of the show, or curiously exploring, which was a thing on Instagram, uh, exploring language that I was starting to do. <laughs> so I'm always a little worried that I'm going to get it wrong. When you hear me take a long pause there, it's me being like, okay, Viana, say the right words. <laughs> okay, today's writing prompt is uh, a two-part question. Feel free to take a moment, pause the episode, get a journal, get a piece of paper, grab your phone, however you want to write these questions down. I recommend setting aside even five minutes this week, tonight, whatever you have, schedule it for yourself so you actually come back to it. Set a reminder on your phone if you need to and give even five minutes to thinking about this. Really taking uh, the content that you consume into your own body and through your own lens, in my experience, has been incredibly impactful for understanding how I can embody the things that I'm learning, the things that are expanding my consciousness, expanding my sense of self, and then also to recognize where I have difference. So I really recommend taking time to do these writing prompts. Okay, today's questions are, how can I tend to the soil of my ancestors, even if I've never touched it, even if I don't know where it's located? And how can I tend to the soil and the ancestors that live beneath my feet? I'm still chewing on these questions myself. I think... These are the types of questions that we will sit with for a long, long time. If you don't have an answer right away, that's okay. And I also just want to say your answer may not be some big expressive action that you take in the world. Maybe the way that you tend to the soil beneath your feet is by watering a tree on your neighborhood walk or by planting some flowers that the bees really like or by making a little compost tea and dumping it around 
the the little patches of grass between the sidewalk and the street. Sometimes what we have access to in terms of the actions we take may feel so small that it seems insignificant. And what I hope to remind you of with this show, with these questions, with this episode, is that every small action we take makes a difference. It ripples in some way. And in fact, this idea, this just popped into my head, of making compost tea and just nourishing little patches of grass in your neighborhood. Like if you don't have a yard, say if you live in New York City, you make a little batch of of compost tea, which I'm realizing uh, I should have Darren Hope, my pod mate, come on the show and tell us about how to make compost tea. But I'm sure that's something that you can Google and find. It's basically just like a really nourishing liquid tea that you make to nourish a soil. But it could even be, uh, I don't know, I'm sure if you went to a plant, uh, to, to a nursery or something and asked them like, what's the most eco-friendly natural way that I can nourish the soil? And you just get a little something to to enrich the soil around you even if you don't have a yard utilizing like the opportunity to love up some soil that is near you there's really no telling how the nourishment of that action will spread thinking of the way that mycelium take in nutrients and use the intelligent network that they have beneath the soil, to spread those nutrients to the plants that need it most. You really have no idea how that little action might spread. So I want to encourage you, if these questions feel overwhelming or if you feel like the answer is just not coming, remember, this show is about creatively relating. What's a fun way? What's a pleasurable way? What's an interesting way? that you can approach these questions, that you can search in the soil of your body for answers. Something that is fun is gonna open up a lot more space for you to show up to it. If you feel overwhelmed by even the idea of it, it's probably not something that you're gonna do. Something that's fun, maybe you wanna invite a few friends to do it with you, that is far more likely to actually come to fruition. So if you're feeling constrained, take a breath and remember, this is about relating creatively. Okay, I'd love to hear from you. Please share what you've got. Thoughts, comments, feelings, reflections, questions. We're about to take this season break, the first season break, and I'm feeling so many feelings about it. I'm going to miss connecting every week, and I'm also looking forward to getting deeper into the structure of the show. And in this time, I would really love to hear from you. I'd love to hear some feedback about what you really want to hear me talk about in the next season. There's so many show ideas that I have Uh, And hearing from you certainly helps. I would love to hear any questions you have in this time that will allow me to start putting together a community Q&A show. 
and uh, any other feedback you have. Uh, now is the time to call in and share it because we have this little break and it's a great opportunity for me to implement any kind of shifts and changes and uh, any amount of growth that that can unfold that the community here is desiring. I am open to this show being a conversation between us, what works for me and what you desire. I'm so here for that. So feel free to call in and let me know what you think. one 833 relate one 273 There is a two minute max on the voicemail there. So if you have more to share than you can in two minutes, of course, you can call in multiple times or you can write an email or record yourself making an audio message and email it to creativelyrelating at gmail.com. And if you want to support the show, you can do so. Subscribe, share with a friend, write a review. Or come join me on Patreon at patreon.com slash Novis. Thank you so much for being here and supporting this first season of the show. Oh, I'm going to go pop a sparkling water after this and celebrate. Maybe eat a muffin. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. I'm so grateful you've been here. Music for the show was written and recorded by Zena Carlota, C-E-N-A-C-A-R-L-O-T-A on Instagram. And it was mixed by my podmate, Brendan Willing James, at Willing B-W-I-L-L-I-N-G on Instagram. Thank you, thank you again. Thank you so much for being here. I will see you later this summer. Ciao.